Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life in Sport podcast. And I'm joined by a very special guest. He's author of this book called The Maroons, um, Queensland State of Origin Heroes. He is also a former writer for, uh, honestly, the most popular rugby league magazine in the existence of, of ever in Australia called Rugby League Week, which is no longer a thing, unfortunately. And he's also the general manager of the Brazil National Rugby League team who are making their first ever World Cup appearance this year at the Rugby League World Cup in England. His name is Robert Bergen. Thank you for joining us. And how's your day going so far? Yeah, good, mate. Just packing, actually. I'm heading to Brazil tomorrow. So oh, wow. getting the bags full at the moment with uh, with kicking tees and footies and, and cones. So. Yeah, yes. nice. How long are you going to be in Brazil for? I'll be there four months, then to the World Cup for one month, and then I go to Colombia for the South American Championships. Oh, so you're going like, World Cup. let's just say, literally from this point on, you're going into World Cup mode at yeah, Brazil. Wow. Pretty much, yeah. We've, I mean, we don't have a competition, the standard of the NRLW, so we, yep. we have to do everything we can in our power with the time that's left to to bring ourselves to the highest level we can. Oh, absolutely. Um, is it the uh, Brazil Amazonas, if I'm not mistaken, or Amazonas? Am yeah. I saying it right? Yeah. So th- that name was kind of chosen as obviously... What's that? I, th- I think that's a great name, by the way. Great yeah. choice. Obviously, yeah. It's a bit of a... a um, it's a bit of a mishmash between the fact that the Amazon and, you know, the indigenous people of that region are called the Amazonas, but also the, the Greek legend of the Amazonas being equal, if not superior to men in battle and being physically dominant. So um, it's got a couple of meanings. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's great that you incorporated all of those meanings into the one name uh, or the one, you know, uh, nickname for the team sort of thing, which is great. Um, but we're not here to talk about that just yet. We'll, talk, we'll dabble about that at the end. Let's first of all, talk about your book, which I literally bought, uh, I want to say on Friday or no, Thursday night, actually. And I started reading it. And as I'm sure you know, I couldn't put it down to the point where I had to get in contact with you to get you on the podcast. It's such First of all, a great read to anyone who, and I'm not even paid to say this, Robert has not paid me (laughs) to say this, but anyone who wants a good read on a very brief, but a very um, in-depth history at the same time of the players of Queensland State of Origin from 1980 to now, definitely go and buy this book. It's an amazing, like it's a page a player or basically a player a page and it's amazing. Um, First of all, massive testament to you. And what was the... um, First question would be, yeah, um, what would be, what was the, you know, idea or inspiration behind this book? Yeah, I, I just knew, I, like, I've been involved in rugby league at a community level for quite a long time, sort of from the age to 10 until now, you know, mid-40s. And um, I'm aware that throughout rugby league, there are people who have gone through all sorts of trials and tribulations. Absolutely. And I, I worked twice for QRL and uh, worked for Rugby League Week for, for 20 years. And during that time, I got to know quite a few of the Origin players reasonably well. Um, and, and it came through that I knew a lot of them have been through some, some pretty tough times. And I thought if you laid it all down back to back, um, it would kind of exhibit all the different things that people do experience in life. So that you no know, bullying someone in the family commits suicide, someone might be sent to jail, losing a parent at a young age, you know, some of the- Not the having worst... a parent from a young age. Yeah, exactly. Like all, all these situations that are very hard to come back from, but by exhibiting that, these origin players, I guess they're, they're the, the demigods of Queensland. You know, if you yeah. grow up here, everyone wants to be an origin player. Absolutely. So 
they not only overcame these obstacles, but went on to the greatest heights. And I thought if we could learn about the resilience and maybe some of the little tricks they taught themselves to keep pushing when everything seemed that it was beyond them. And that common denominator for them was rugby league and obviously mm-hmm. rugby league in Queensland, they went through hell and back based off what, what I've read, but they all had that one common denominator, which was playing rugby league. It was their escape from everything that was going on. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting the way that rugby league brought together different segments of the communities mm-hmm. we got to remember 1980s. It wasn't, you know, things were improving, but it wasn't quite the liberal world we live in at the moment. No, and there were still some not. some old ideas. And it brought together many ethnicities, many from, you know, people from um, different backgrounds, political backgrounds, everything. And I, I believe that state of origin is probably the thing that defines Queensland more than anything and what it means to be a Queenslander. Absolutely, it does. Like, you have, like, example myself, I was born in Queensland. I moved down to New South Wales when I was four, obviously didn't have a choice in the matter I was four, but I am a Queenslander regardless. Um, You know, always when I come back to Queensland, I always feel as soon as I cross that border, whether it's by driving or plane, I straight up get an overwhelming sense of home. Um, I currently live on the border now, so in Tweed Head, so I can literally just pop over into Queensland anytime I want. Um, But yeah, that's absolutely right. Like rugby league, don't get me wrong, there's, there's a lot of things in Queensland that someone could say, oh, yeah, I'm a Queenslander sort of thing. But rugby league absolutely is that, um, you know, that driving factor. Yes, I'm a Queenslander sort of thing. It's it's the only thing that no one can argue with when you're from Queensland in the sense of n- not re-New South Wales, but if you're from Queensland, you may have a different team that you follow in the NRL, such as the Cowboys, Titans, the Broncos, the Dolphins next year, etc. You may only follow the BRL because you don't like the NRL, but you'll always follow Queensland and state of origin. That's the common, again, the common denominator sort of yep, thing. Absolutely. And uh, Wed, and obviously another question is, um, how long did it take to compile all of the, you know, interviews and archive, get, get all the archive photos and stuff for this book? Mate, I actually did it on a really tight time frame because I was a super disciplined in advance. I know who I wanted to contact. Um, I kind of laid out like a word limit a day. I basically said, I've got to do seven players every day, whether that's Sunday or whether that's Thursday and I'm feeling sick and got other things to do. I made myself... Uh, do it. So I got through it in three months. Um, and then, you know, there's obviously a little bit more time goes into the photos yeah, and prettying it up, etc. But yeah, the, the core of it was done in three months. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, and it, did you want to give a shout out to anyone who helped you out with, you know, potential contacts? Which I'm, I mean, I'm sure you had heaps of contacts already because of your work with Rugby League Week. Yes. So Jim, Jim Miles was one of those um, massive helps to me throughout the project. And then Another two, uh, Greg Shannon, who's a historian from North Queensland. We've worked together on a few different things over the years, and he helped me with the background to a few um, NQ players. And then uh, Tony Dirk and my uh, my former editor at Rugby League Week through his contacts with, with Men of League and, and just his general guidance. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it, it is obviously listed in the book um, about who you want to credit, like basically who you just credited. There's also a nice bit of, about the author. That's how I found out about so much about you and again i needed to get you on the podcast because i'm like i got to talk footy got to talk friends i got to talk about the book because i also saw your post on linkedin i think it was or twitter the other day after the book i could i want to say was released or something and you were like to everyone basically when you were a kid at school and whatnot or uni said 
you would never be an author. You you proved them wrong. Um, was that part of the drive in the ambition to get the book to be like come to fruition? I think when I was younger, it was. This is like my sixth book now. Um, but I kind of think at that moment I was just reflecting because I never got a I've never got a book in a, a major supermarket in the middle of the city before, and that's why I was sort of crowing. You found this in Target at Rabina yeah. Town Centre. Yeah, so a lot of my other books have sort of been um, very customized for small audiences, and this is the first one that's that's out there in the big shops. Yep. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's it is funny because I actually, when I was in grade ten, I had a teacher, and she basically said to me like, "Stop writing about sport. You're very middle of the road. You're only just passing." And what was kind of hilarious about that was I swapped to a different teacher the next year, and. He loves sport. He was a really encouraging guy. And wow. I went from being like middle of the class to top of the class in one year. And then but, to being a writer, more or less, for Rugby League Week for 20 plus years after school. <laughs> yeah, it kind of, it shows you, it depends what mentor you have along the way and what belief people have in you. So It, it, it really and absolutely does. Um, yeah, I think that about covers the book part of it. Excuse the pun. I did not realize it covers the book. Um, but honestly, anyone who wants to read it, I absolutely recommend it. Even, I hate to say, but even if you're a Blues fan, it's still got a lot of rugby league, you know, community, a lot of, a lot of like, even if you're a Blues fan, I recommend reading this book because it, at the heart of it is community rugby league. And that's, that's what it's all about as well. Um, the next topic we've got is obviously Origin 3 is just around the corner. It's the decider. It's already sold out from what like the tabloids are reporting. Um, how do you think, obviously, we did well in, in Game 1. We let Game 2 go in the second half. How do you think that game sort of panned out? And did you expect that like score? Because I did not expect that shit in the, in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mate, um, no, I, I definitely didn't um, and might have even had a little lazy wager on the side on Queensland. I thought, man, we're going to bring this home in two games. I was super confident. Right? I mean, given yeah. how the first half was going, I definitely wasn't heaps confident, but I definitely didn't expect that blowout in the second half. I'm thinking, fuck. So I continue. I, I think if you watch that back, I, like as soon as the first set ran in the game, I thought they're holding it down a hell of a lot. And yeah. that, that was like New South Wales were at that point. And I thought this is quite ridiculous. And then they, I think the referee kind of made a, a rod for his own back. He allowed it so much in the first two to four sets of the game that then he couldn't, you know, control not, it. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't control it from then on. So we saw, I, you know, I don't like rank, blaming the referee, and I think we no. deserve those penalties. And he, the, he had to regain the control, yeah. as you said, in those first four or five sets, he couldn't control it. So he regained the control by doing the sin bin for it, which I totally get it. Don't get me wrong. There are some times where an actual referee error does cause a game to, you know, like be lost. But in my opinion, when a team wins by that many points, you can't blame the referee. Like, no. like example, uh, what, uh, Raiders Dragons on the weekend on Sunday. I hate to say it. You absolutely could be understandably hating towards the referee based on that last sort of play Raiders played like trash but at the same time there was definitely a um a, there was a, a in my opinion a wrong call but neither here nor there but state of origin is what we're talking about game three is coming up who would you like to see um kept in the side who would you like to see re like mo removed or replaced in the side uh Queensland that is um I'm I'm a big fan of the stick um so like yeah staying and keep them solid I mean Personally, I really like Harry Grant and what he offers to the team. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the way that they've got that rotation going, you know, Ben Hunt does a job um, and then Harry Grant plays off the back of it. So 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I've heard they're talking this morning about Tom Gilbert coming in. I haven't heard that'd if that's good. confirmed. Um, but yeah, that'd be fantastic. I think he's a big player of the future, and people have under uh, undervalued what he's going to bring to the Dolphins next oh, year. I'm already like on board on, with him and the Dolphins. Uh, I've anyone who's listening, time for a quick plug. Uh, I actually started up a Dolphins podcast a few weeks ago called the Dolphins Pod Podcast, where we're talking all things Dolphins Q Cup. And also the NRL stuff coming up next year as well. We've also got a few Dolphins NRL signings coming on the podcast. But there are big things. And one thing I'm definitely not liking about the Dolphins at the moment is how they're being represented in the NRL media by saying they're struggling for signings. They almost have an entire 17 signed. They literally have one more play to go until they've got a full 17 and they can also, don't forget, they've got four development players already signed. They can sign from the Q Cup team if they need. They are not struggling for signings. Like, the, I don't like what the NRL are trying to say about the Dolphins. I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't see them as grand final winners next year. But I definitely see them as turning heads compared to what the, what the media are saying at the moment. What, what are your thoughts on how the Dolphins are preparing for next year? Yeah, I fairly much agree with yourself. I think there's a few people with an axe to grind in the media. They don't mm-hmm. like Wayne Bennett. He he um, directs his own narrative, you know, a lot of the time. And some people out there who like to control that side of things, they don't they don't enjoy that he has that independence. So they try and bring him down at whatever opportunity they get because they know when he steps or his team steps on the field next year that they're, they're probably going to go okay, you know. So this yeah. is their chance. Yeah, basically, like, put all the mockers on them that they can now to try and, like get them off guard and maybe make them double think. But honestly, from what I've spoken to some of the players who have NRL current players who have signed for the Dolphins next year, they're champing at the bit ready to go next year and they can't wait to get a preseason. So that's neither here nor there. So obviously, as you said, you you would, you like the stick, you know, the pick and stick method for Queensland state of origin. Obviously there's been some injuries in general over the last two origin games Um, with Hunt and um, Grant. I honestly, do you agree? I mean, you may not agree, which is fine. I personally think Hunt, obviously Hunt starts and Grant comes on. What would you, and how would you feel about in game three, even especially as a decider, Grant starting and Hunt coming from the bench? Yeah, I think they they both got impact. Um, I think Grant's a little bit more creative and Hunt's really good in that running lock role as well. Mm, That's true. He's a really solid bloke. So I I can see how that can work. Um, But I also know what, Billy's thinking is, you know, let Ben Hunt do a, a bunch of tackles in the first 20 minutes. And then as New South Wales starts to lapse, then bring Harry on and bring his his creativity and, yeah. um, you know, deception out. Yeah, like as they start getting tired, it's when you want to bring out the creativity and where you can create gaps and stuff and all that. Absolutely. If Queensland lose game three, though, it's, it's obviously a decider. Um, where do you think they go from here? Do you think Billy retains his coaching role for next year, et cetera? Yeah, I've I got to say, in 2018, I worked pretty closely with the Queensland Origin team. Like, I was travelling around on the team bus and going to games, et cetera, as part of my role with QRL. And if you see the way that Billy Slater prepares for anything, he is the most methodical human being ever. And I know that throughout the QRL, there's a very high opinion of his professionalism and the way that he does things. I think they came out one game one. That's probably guaranteed him straight away. If, Next if you know the type of person he is, what he's achieved in the game. He's already done that straight off the bat. I don't think he's the kind of guy that would rest it all until he finds a way to beat New South Wales. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you, you want that in a coach for a Queensland state of origin side as well. Mm. I, I don't know how he is 
so dedicated like every minute of his day is just honed towards performance he's immense so that's that's amazing um and obviously time to talk about the brazil rugby league world cup we've actually got four disciplines you could say of rugby league world cup your brazil team is the is in the women's there's the men's the women's wheelchair and i think blind i may be wrong um physical disability league that's the one sorry yeah um which would which would encompass blind as well, um, and I think that's an amazing thing. First of all, to have all four of those you could say abilities um, engaged and included in this rugby league World Cup, but obviously right now the monkey in the room is Brazil and the Brazil women's national team. First of all, congratulations on Brazil getting into the World Cup. It's their first rugby league World Cup. How did the how how Ugh, word vomit. How are the preparations going for the Rugby League World Cup? Because it's only a few months away now. Yeah, I feel like last year we kind of had the the jump on a few teams. We we worked throughout COVID and we had very secure bubbles that we did a few camps in and, and we were feeling like awesome. We probably, you know, moved ahead of some of those fringe teams to put mm-hmm. ourselves in a semi-final position. Obviously, with it getting postponed by a year, it's given those teams that weren't so organized back then a chance to get organized um, you know yeah get their stuff together um and for us that's brought different challenges some people have gone away had a baby some people got moved overseas and got jobs so we had to reshape the team again but i think because we had such a solid base to start from now we're we're going into a good position again we've got yeah two camps coming over the next few weeks and we're down to our final 35 players from about 160 that tried wow. out to start so we're getting to the the business end we'll we'll only um Take a squad of 23. So competitions for the, for spots now is really going to heat up. Yeah. So in this like next three to four months worth of camp, you you really are going to be, you know, cutting people, um, et, et cetera, which is, I mean, I hope the players that want the spot get their spots, of course, but uh, it's, it's rugby league. It's, you've got to earn your spot and, you know, 35 will be coming down to 23. Um yeah, so how obviously you're the general manager of the Brazil Rugby League team. And was the goal always to get to the World Cup? I mean, obviously it was, but um, like, and how did it, how was the implementation of we want to make a World Cup uh, born? Sure. So before there was Brazil Rugby League, we had this concept Latin Heat Rugby League, which is kind mm-hmm. of encom- encompassed all of Latin America. Um, so I worked with all the nations from Mexico down to, you know, Chile and Argentina. And Brazil was, was one of those but wasn't a leading one to start with um but yeah then they started to fire and i think we all the latin american nations knew that we would make our mark in women's first you know simply for the fact there's there's 50 other teams to compete against in men's and there was only about a dozen in the women's of course also just the um the physique the you know uh latino women tend to be really like powerfully built and Mm -hmm. the men not so much. They're, I guess. they're more built for soccer, sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. So they've got that cardio base. Um, yeah, um, I think going to World Cup, as much as it's important to Brazil, it's important to the whole continent. Yeah. And not just that, but we think that we have a debt um, to all other developing nations because, you know, Rugby League World Cup and the IRL have, you know, shown some faith in us. Um, now we've got to show them that, you know, return that faith and then open the door for other countries that want to, you know, walk through because we don't want to be flashing the pan and out the door. Yeah. Uh, we want to show people that countries outside the Commonwealth are playing rugby league and that they can bring something different to the sport. 
Yeah, absolutely they are. And they absolutely can. They can they can literally bring the Latin spice to the to the rugby league field for lack of a better term, which I think is a great thing. And you meant you just mentioned that you were part of the Latin Heat. Uh, rugby league sort of stuff and um you were obviously as you said involved with that before you were directly involved with the brazilian rugby league national team um how did that come about when did you start working with the latin america like a latin heat rugby league association yeah so i actually my best friend as a kid was argentinian uh Mm -hmm. and i when when i was growing up my my parents kind of went through a divorce and i was kind of avoiding going home and stuff so at the time the 1986 world cup was on soccer Yep. Um, and he invited me around to his place and there was Argentinian food and music and Argentina ended up winning the tournament, you know, so I was around it and I just loved it and, and not just Argentina, but I think in that tournament, you know, Mexico and Colombia were also playing. Um, and I love that just the, the Latin extravagance. And I said to him, mate, why don't you guys play rugby league? You'd be so good. And then mm. 1987, the next year they brought in rugby union and the, the Pumas went to the rugby yep. union world cup for the first time. So this all kind of snowballed. So as a very young kid, I had this idea, why don't we take rugby league to South America? Yeah. And then many years later, I traveled the continent a couple of times and um, I just loved the people and the food and everything. And I wanted to give something back and I'd been working in rugby league. So that's, that's kind of where it hit off. I met a, a Colombian guy called Daniel Sarmiento who worked for the NRL development. And we kind of got things founded with another guy from Sydney, Matthew Brown. And, and uh, yeah, just got moving from there. That's amazing. Um, and honestly, that's awesome. Anyone who wants to go and check that out, just simply Google it. Or we, um, what I'll do is also put the links to the, the um, to the Latin Heat uh, Rugby League, to Brazil National Rugby League team. Everything to do with that will be in the links below. Also, where to find his book, The Maroons, will also be, you know, the links to online bookstores and whatnot will be in the description of this episode. Um, last bit I've got to talk about is what's next? for you other than you know going to brazil for the world cup is there any is there any books coming like that you've got in in the works in your idea like yeah what's next plug and promote go and say whatever you want to say yeah i've got a heap of ideas for books it's just with books you've got to make them you know worth the while and and reality like i i'd really like to do a story where i went back and found all the guys that played in my first team of rugby league and then what happened to them over the course of their life to, to where a, they are now. Mate, that is a great idea. Would it be in the similar way of like a player a page in this this sort of book or would it be like a, a, a narrative type story? Yeah, I think I'd make it like an in-depth chapter per player. Like this was the course of their life. Um, you know, at this stage, they were the, the star of the team and they experienced this or that. And now they've got three kids or now they're working in some far-flung place around the world. And I think every one of us who's been in a team sport could relate to that. And, yeah. you, you know, your trajectory at one point is not always the same throughout the rest of your life. Exactly. And and at some point in your life, you come together again because of rugby league. It's the common denominator. Yeah, absolutely. I'd also love to write a story about the whole Latin heat journey. Like Because we're operating in a very isolated, fresh part of the world, mm. we see a lot of stuff happen that this doesn't happen elsewhere. And there've been some pretty funny things over the years. So, I'd love to get that all down on paper and as a bit of a historical fact, but again, it comes down to whether the audience demands that. So that's the, that's the real key point. That's fair. Well, I mean, I absolutely would read that book as well because any type of foundings and formations of any type of rugby league um, to any rugby league nut is a very interesting, of course. Um, but as you said, it's, a, it's if the target audience or if the audience is big enough to warrant a book for it. But I know I would definitely read the shit out of a book like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Is there any last um, shout outs or anything you'd like to say? Oh, mate, just yeah, if people are, are interested in what we're doing in Latin America, there's lots of opportunities um, online to, to donate to the Women's World Cup, um, you know, program. And then we have the uh, Latin American championships between Colombia, Chile and Brazil. That'll where, happen in no- November. In Colombia in okay. November. Wow. So it's actually up in the Andes Mountains. It's um, oh, wow. going to be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so any, anyone that's, you know, connected sponsorships for us because of the exchange rate are, are actually really affordable. So um, I know that's a bit of a plug and asking people no, no, for money, no, but it's, um, it's, it's, we're all it, about growing the game. So That and you can't grow the game without funding. So absolutely, you know, plug away as like example, Puma, Forex, all those sort of sponsors on for teams and jerseys. The, sure, it's, it's a community thing, but it doesn't like you need the funding to be able to attain you know the thing so there's nothing wrong with you know asking about sponsorships mentioning it plugging it etc so those links to for everyone who's listening and or watching will be in the description below of this episode so be sure to get get behind the uh, brazil amazonas be sure to try and find a way to go and watch the uh latin america uh stuff down in the end or up down down and up in the andes um in (laughs) november um will it be live streamed do you know yeah, yeah, okay. we'll be doing that. It, it, it's a pathway to the 2025 World Cup, so mm-hmm. we've got to give it the professionalism it deserves. Absolutely, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it's in France, the 2025 World Cup? Yeah, or- and you were speaking before about the number of opportunities. They're doubling the number of women's teams for 2025, so we'll go wow. from 8 to 16. Wow, that's that's incredible, and that will you can imagine how Argentina could go or how Colombia or Portugal or, or any of those countries like, well, first of all, let's hope there's maybe two, two or three more of those included in, Oh mate, you got, you got me getting goosebumps. I'm, I'm so keen <laughs> for that because the, the progression of the women's game is amazing. Not just at NRLW level or super league women's level, but also international. It's great and amazing to see. Um, mate, you, and you asked me before just about um, ideas for books. The other one yeah. is, you know, if we did a version of the Maroons that was the female players, like Mate, some of them have got amazing stories. Oh, 100% yeah. they do. Like, mm. I, again, I would read the shit out of that if you had the, the Maroons as a, like, the women's players as well. Like, oh, it, it's amazing. I would absolutely read that as well. Um, yeah. Is there anything, is, last, I guess, question is, is there any advice you'd have for any kids who want to become sports writers or want to become involved in rugby league at the sort of level that you're at? Yeah, I think just to apply the same level of discipline and persistence that you'd expect of an athlete that wants to go to that level. Like, um, I wrote for two years every week to the editor of Rugby League Week like with free articles, just pestered the hell out of him basically until I was given an opportunity. And then that was only a one-off opportunity, but I made sure that I got every single angle I could. And I ended up, you know, having a bit of a scoop about two players getting signed in my very first story. And wow. that only comes about because I was obsessive about having a career in the sport. So you do have to be obsessive to get there. It's um, obviously it's something a lot of people want to do. Um, so make your sacrifices, um, put in the work. 